Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Good to see all of you this morning. Hebrews chapter 11 this morning is where we're going to be. Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to be talking about faith this morning. And faith is one of those concepts or words for us as Christians that we hear a lot about. We use the word a lot. But hopefully today, in exploring these few verses out of Hebrews 11, we might gain a new even understanding and appreciation for, for faith. We talk about men and women of faith and having faith. And so today we're really going to find out what faith really is. I want to direct your attention, first of all, to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. This is actually the verse we're going to jump off of this morning. Where the author says, now without faith, it is impossible to please him, God. For the one who approaches God must believe that he exists. And that he rewards those who seek him. Why does the author spend now a whole chapter here in chapter 11 on faith when he's been, you know, exhorting and encouraging his readers to hang in there and, and be willing to go through all the things that they're going through and, and keep persevering and keep enduring? How does faith fit into this, this concept Well, it's first of all to understand that faith is a relational term. Faith is all about relationships. It's why in the Bible, the greatest and second greatest commandment are these. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength relationship with God, and to love your neighbor as yourself, relationships with others. I mean, even from God's perspective, it's always elevating relationships. It's always about knowing how to navigate and do relationships. It's always about pursuing relationships, either pursuing God or pursuing others. But it's all about learning how to build and maintain those relationships in our lives. And so we have that here when he says, here's what faith is and why it's impossible to please God without faith. I want to direct your attention then in verse 6 to these last two words of the verse. If in your mind you don't take away from this message anything else, I want these two words to be sort of just ingrained there in your hearts and minds in the days ahead. Because these two words really sum up what faith really is all about. Notice the last two words of verse 6 are, Seek Him. Seek Him. 
You see, it's not, faith isn't just finding God. Many people have found God in their life. But it's not enough to find God in our life. A life of faith is one that seeks God. To seek God is to make God the great object of our life. It is not to seek about Him. It's to not seek things in relationship to Him. Notice, it is to seek Him. Him. And this word seek here means, first of all, to continuously seek Him. So in other words, again, this brings up the whole importance of discipleship and of following God our whole life. Because what happened even to the Hebrews where they had found God somewhere in their past. But the danger of why they were not continuing on with God and, and thinking about giving up and throwing in the towel and quitting and all of that is because they at this moment were continuously seeking him. They had found him, but they were no longer seeking him. See, our life as Christians is not just spending, oh, I found God, now I can just sort of relax, I, I can just sort of, you know, cash it in, throw up my legs, and just hang on till Jesus comes. Our whole life is to be spent consumed in continuously seeking God. That's faith. This word also means not to just continuously seek God, but to diligently seek God. It is the idea that I am exerting considerable effort toward something. Here, God is saying that a life of faith is one that is exerting considerable effort towards seeking Him. Hopefully that's why even you all are present this morning. Not because you're trying to check off a box or perform your religious duty. Because a life of faith is all about seeking God. God is desiring individuals who spend their whole life seeking Him. God is looking for local churches like the Oasis who are known as a group of people who are seeking God. In fact, if there was one thing that as a pastor, I would want our church and the church that I was connected with to be known for, it would be that others would say, that's a group of people who are seeking God. That it's not enough that we have found God, but that we are engaged in continuously and diligently putting forth considerable effort toward seeking Him. That's why faith is such a relational term. You see, in verse 6, this is why the author says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And we've seen this word impossible used many times in the book of Hebrews. It literally means unable, unable, incapable, powerless. The author's already told us it's impossible for God to lie. It's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. 
It's impossible for those who have once been enlightened to be renewed to repentance. And now he's telling us this. No human being can ever please God, can ever gain God's approval or applause or affirmation without faith. Well, that's pretty significant. That's pretty important. And again, it goes back to not just finding God, but seeking Him. It's all about a relationship. It's why we're going to see in a moment, what is the difference between faith and belief? We're going to see that in just a moment in verse 6. So that's the importance here of talking about faith. If you and I want to please God, if we want to hear one day, well done, good and faithful servant, if we want to gain the approval and applause and affirmation of God, we have got to be people who live by faith. That's why he picks up on this concept, because you'll notice back last week, we ended with this in chapter 10, where he says in verse 38, The righteous one will live by faith and not shrink back. And then in verse 39, he says, oh, and we're not among those who are going to shrink back. We are among those who have faith. Present possession. It's not something that just brought us to a relationship to God where we found God. It's something that energizes us every day to continuously and diligently seek God. Think of faith not so much as something that you and I possess, which is how a lot of times we use it as Christians. You know, I have faith or that, that's an act of faith. It's more talking about who we are in relationship to God than what we possess or what we have. And I want you to think about it from that angle because many times we as Christians don't. But again, remember, faith is a relational term. So think of it along these lines. It's like you and I walking through life hand in hand with God or especially for you guys that don't like the image of walking hand in hand with God. Okay, let lock arms with God. Link arms with God. But that's the concept. That's what faith is. You see, faith is not, oh God, I acknowledge you. I I know you exist. I know you're there. But I'm going to live independently of you. You stay over there. Let me do my thing over here. And therefore, even though we acknowledge God, we know he's there, we might even, you know, be able to tell you a lot about God. We're not, in a sense, in a very practical way, living by faith because we're not walking hand in hand, linking arms with God every day. And that's what faith is. It is keeping a close and ever closer relationship with God. It is, it is seeking Him. It is wanting to draw near to Him all the time. It is never getting enough of God and always wanting more. That That's what faith is. For he goes on to say this. Not only is without faith it impossible to please him, but he that comes to God or approaches God. And the word here speaks again about drawing near 
coming close. And even it's a word that's used in the New Testament for worship. He's saying, if you desire to get close to God, if you desire to worship God, if we as a church want to be a church that worships God, then here's some things that must be. They are necessities. First of all, we must believe that He exists. Now, many Christians would read that and go, well, duh, I know God exists, so I can check that one off. Boom. There's a couple key things here. First of all, the word exists means to always have existed, to always exist. It doesn't just mean to be present right now. It also means to be self-existent. So, In other words, one must believe that God is the eternal God. He's not just existing, but he's always existed. He was before all things. And he needs nothing outside of himself to exist. Everything else in the universe that God created obviously owes its existence to God. God is self-existent. He needs no one or nothing else outside of himself. And so what the author of Hebrews is saying too is that one who wants to worship God must come to God knowing that he is absolutely distinct and unique from anything and everyone else that we could ever know. Which means also that he is the only one true God. In other words, living in a world where, as it's always been this way, there is, you know, uh, a pluralistic uh, way of of God. You know, God is whatever we want him to be and God's whatever man desires him to be. and, uh, and, And God is whatever we make him up to be. And we can sort of just invent our own gods and come up with our own gods. Here's what the God of the Bible says. There are no other gods. I am the only God. So therefore, if you and I are going to worship the one and only true God, and now think about this, if he is the one and only true God, and I'm not coming to him seeking to get closer or draw near to him or worship him, and yet somehow I think that there's another God out there equal to him in some way, that there's really no distinction or uniqueness to him, that's unacceptable. The one who wants to worship God, draw near and close to God, must believe he's the one and only. And that he is totally unique and separate from everything else. And what then this also leads into is, then I see in God a value and a worth that I see in no one or nothing else. Which is why then I have the motivation to continue to seek Him. Because He is then my highest prize. He is the the treasure of my life. Again, the greatest object of my life is God. Therefore, anything that leads me closer to Him... I will do it, no matter what it is, no matter what he asks of me, no matter what he reveals to me, there is not, if I think 
that God exists in this way, then there's nothing that is going to lead me to him that I'm going to be unwilling to do because it's all about him. And, and I want to seek him and get closer to him and draw near to him and worship him because he's it. There is no greater treasure, no greater prize, no one of greater worth or value. So I'll do it. And flip side, there is nothing then that is in my way. Nothing that is impeding me and God that I then am not willing to just discard and get rid of. Because if God exists, if he exists, if I truly believe he is the one and only, no one like God. And we sing like that, you know, there's no one like our God. Do we really understand sometimes what we're even singing? If I really believe that, then that means if there is something in my way that's preventing me from drawing near and closer and seeking God, I'll willingly get rid of it in my life. Because God is the greatest object of my life. That's what it means to seek God. That's what it means to believe that God exists. You see... Let's bring this now into play. The Bible says in James 2.19, even the demons believe in God and tremble. And this is the difference between belief and faith. See, even demonic beings, fallen angels, obviously acknowledge that God exists. In fact, their theology is probably better than most Christians, if not all Christians. Because they, they have an understanding of who God is. They were in his presence. They, they know God. And, and it's not like they don't believe in the God of the Bible. They know he's eternal. They know they were created by him. They know that there is no one like him. That he is totally self-existent and all that. They know that. They know all of that. They have a depth of an understanding of God that you and I maybe don't even have up to this point. Because they've seen God. We maybe not with our physical eyes yet seen God. But here's the difference. And this is what makes a difference between belief and faith. Though they know all these things about God. And their theology would be right on. They don't want anything to do with God. They don't want a relationship with the one that they know so well. They want to live independently of God. You see. There are no demons who are atheists or agnostics. See, even today, you know, they're human beings like, I, I don't believe God exists or I'm not sure God exists. Well, even the Bible says demons don't have any trouble acknowledging who God is and all of that. What's the difference? They don't want to seek him. They don't want to spend their lives drawing closer, getting near to him. Because they 
put very little worth or value on who he is, even though they know all this about him. Now, this is, this is where we need to be reminded of something. We need to be careful that we are not in danger of sort of the same path that demons go down. Which is we as Christians can do a very good job of accumulating a lot of knowledge about God and the Bible and all these things. And yet it not lead to where it should lead to. Which is seeking Him. Drawing closer to Him. Getting to know Him. Wanting to have Him as the very object of our life. That no one or nothing else is more precious, more prized, more of a treasure in our life than Him. That's faith. See? That's what faith is. Belief is acknowledging something. And there are many Christians who, even if you said, do you acknowledge that truth? Yes, I acknowledge that truth. Do you believe the Bible teaches that? Yes, I believe the Bible teaches that. Is it leading to a life of faith? In many, no. No. They have belief, but they don't have faith. Because faith is a relational term. Faith is seeking him, which is why the author then says in verse six, not only must we believe that God exists, but we must believe that he rewards those who seek him and the reward here. Please understand with me, brothers and sisters, that the reward here are not rewards as we think many times when the New Testament talks about rewards, the crowns and all that. The reward is God himself, which is why he ends with seeking him. It is, it is getting to a place in my life where, again, I realize who God is. I am willing to believe that and acknowledge that, but it takes me a step further because the demons believe that. It is where I'm willing to seek Him every day and live by faith, where I link arms with God every day and we do life together. Where it's not, God, here's what I believe about you, but now there's a separation between who I know you to be and who I think you are and how I actually practically live my life every day. Practically taking God with us every day and relying and depending on Him and linking arms with Him and walking hand in hand, that's a life of faith. Because it's literally a continuous building of a relationship with God. Drawing closer and closer every day of our lives. Again, to seek Him is to make God the great object for which we live. Many people down through history have desired and wanted the blessing of God, but not God. That's how many Christians approach God today. We know that because that's the way people of God have approached God for centuries. 
They want God to bless them. They want God to pour out their favor. They want all these good things in their life, but they really don't want God. They want the benefit of of the relationship with God without really the relationship itself. And you and I understand that because we understand that sometimes, whether we're conscious or unconscious of it, we seek a relationship with someone because of the benefit of the relationship, not so much because we actually want to spend time and pursue a relationship with the person. Think about how God feels about that. You want to talk about someone who can understand rejection, it's God. And we've been rejected in our lives. People have all pushed us to the side or pushed us away and not wanted any longer to do life with us or have a relationship with us. We get that. But we've got to understand, God understands that way beyond what we do. Because there are many people throughout history that he created who they want the benefit of God in their life, but they don't want anything to do with walking with God every day. Of having God with them all the time. See, that, that's what caused, in a sense, Lucifer to fall. Lucifer, this grand angel that God created in the very presence of God, says, God, I know who you are. You're the Most High God. But I want to do this whole existence of mine independent of you. I I don't want a relationship with you. I know who you are. I know how great you are. I know I'm in your presence. There's no one that could have known God in a more intimate way than Lucifer. But that's what is the danger of just having an acknowledgement of God or a belief of God without it leading to a life of faith in God. That's where many people miss it. And that's why many people, you know, fail to gain God's approval in their life. Because God is not the object for which we live. So if you go back up to verse 1 for just a moment. Notice though when we live by faith. When we live each day seeking God and linking arms with God, there's a lot of great results in our life. First of all, faith will make sure that we're sure. Because faith is being sure of what we hope for. There will be an, a built-in assurance. An ever-growing assurance in our life when you and I walk with God every day. That's just a built-in byproduct of our faith. The more and closer we walk with God, the more sure we are. The further away we walk from God, the more independently we walk away from God, the more insecure and unsure we are. Same thing with hope. The closer we're to God, the more we walk with God every day, the more we have hope. Because God is a God of hope. The further away we walk from God, the more independently we live apart from God, the less hope we have. 
Then he goes on to say, not only is faith being sure of what we hope for, it is being convinced of what we do not see. The word convinced means the proof or evidence. In other words, again, as I walk with God and seek him every day, I will have all the proof and evidence that I've ever needed. Because my proof and evidence isn't in what I see, it's in what God has said. Because I'm walking with God. And God's sharing things with me. He's talking to me. He's revealing things to me. He's speaking to me. And therefore, I don't need to see it. All I need is God to say it. Because I'm with God. Which is why he goes on in verse 2 to say, For by faith, the people of old, specifically the Old Testament people, who walked with God, received God's commendation, meaning God honored them because they were willing to walk with Him. They were willing to go through whatever it took to stay close to God, and they were willing to give up whatever was impeding them staying close to God. And so therefore God honored them because it was like they were willing to say to the whole world, I'm with God. Whatever that costs me, Whatever the consequences are. Because that's what faith is. It is being obedient to God regardless of the circumstances and regardless of the consequences. Because God is it to me. He's the highest prize. He's the greatest treasure. He's the object for which I live. God will honor that type of a life. So then in verse 3, he takes us all the way back to creation. He says, by faith then, we have an understanding that the world's or universe was set in order at God's command so that the visible finds its origin in the invisible. Oh, man, 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 man. Man who wasn't there at creation tries to tell us how creation came about. God was the only one who was there And he tells us how it came about. And those who walk with God, we have a greater understanding of things. Not because maybe our IQ is higher or we have a greater intelligence than others, but because we are willing to walk with God and seek him, we are going to have a greater understanding. Not just a greater assurance, not just a greater hope, not just a greater proof or evidence. We're going to have a greater understanding of things simply because we're walking with the creator. We're walking with the author or the artist. Think of it this way. You walk into, say, the Louvre Museum over in Paris. You're looking at all these fabulous paintings. And all of a sudden, if it could be the case, here comes a famous artist who has painted several of those paintings that are in the museum. I'll just, let's say Picasso. He shows up. And you are able to take a tour through that museum with the actual artist of these paintings. Aren't you going to have a greater insight and a greater understanding to those paintings because you're actually there with the artist listening to him explain what he did as he painted these famous paintings than if you were just walking there by yourself? Of course he would. My goodness, you'd see things in that painting that he was able to point out that you could stand there for hours or I could stand there for days and never see because I'm with the artist. 
When you and I walk with the artist of the universe, we're going to see things and have an insight into things that those who are not willing to walk with him and seek him will never have. And very simply, instead of buying into what man says how the earth or the universe came into being, because they weren't there, I choose to believe God who actually made it come about. I understand that the universe was set in order. These words speak about not only assembling things, but arranging them in a certain order so that they function perfectly. Which again, goes against the whole, well, things just happen by chance. And just like with our earth, our earth is just exactly far enough away from the sun that life can be in, you know, inhabited here and just, you know, far enough away that we don't burn up or we don't freeze and it's tilted in just such a way that, yeah, that just all just happened. You know, this planet just sort of was thrown out there into the universe by a big explosion and we don't even know how the explosion came about, but somehow it all just flew out there. And this earth was able to be just the right place away from this and that and tilted this way just so we could live comfortably here. If you buy that, you've got more faith than it takes to believe that God created the earth. And I love this. He goes on to say, so that we believe that the visible has its origin in the invisible. And I think in the context, he's saying that all the things in the universe that we see was spoken forth by the word of God. Because in Genesis, it says, and God said, and God said, and God said, and God said, and boom, there it was. Let there be light. There was light. Let the stars appear. There were the stars. God's powerful word brought it all. But it also speaks even scientifically, scientifically to the fact that the things that we see God was trying to tell man long before man had the ability to be able to see beyond the material that the things that we see are actually made up of very little particles that we can't see. See, if man would just believe what God has said, we would have such a greater understanding way ahead of the time that we actually discover it. And contrary to what many people espouse or believe today, The Bible and science are not contradictory. (laughs) Everything that science has come up with actually supports what the Bible says. Or the Bible itself can be supported by real science. It's when men try to take their own philosophy and theology and spin what they want to to where there's contradictions. It's God's universe. He made it. Well, let's move on and close this out. Notice in verse 4, he talks about Abel. And Abel is sort of the first human being. He talks about what Abel was able to do with faith, by faith. Verse 5, he talks about Enoch. In verse 8, he talks about Abraham. He talks about Moses and all these great saints of the Old Testament. And basically he's saying, all these people were able to do unbelievable things by faith, by linking arms with God and living with God every day. It wasn't 
It wasn't because they were doing this independently of God. It was because they were actually there with God and that God was there with them. And they invited God to be the part of their life. That's how they were able to do all this. Because they did it with God. And so he says, by faith, Abel offered God a greater sacrifice than Cain. And through his faith, he was commended as righteous because God commended him for his offerings. And through his faith, he still speaks to us. He still tells a story. What's the story Abel tell us? Well, God revealed to Cain and Abel, here's how I want you to approach me. Here's how I want you to worship me. These are the sacrifices that I want you to bring. And like many today, Abel said, God, if that's what you want, that's what I'll bring. But see, Cain was like a lot of other people today. God, I know that that's what you said you wanted, but I'm going to bring you what I want to bring you, and I want you to accept it anyway. That's not faith. Because if I truly value and prize God, I will do the things that he wants done, and I will do them his way. If I bring him what he doesn't want, in a way that he doesn't want it, then I'm disrespecting him. It'd be just like today, and this is a, maybe a bad illustration, but be like some couple having a gift registry for their wedding or even, you know, a, a gift registry for a baby. And they register for the things that they want. But you and I go online and go, well, I know that's what they want, but I'm going to get them what I want to get them. And I hope they're happy with it. Well, I hate to say it, but they're not going to be as happy with what you wanted to get them as what they wanted. And that's the way many people approach God. Well, that's not faith. Faith is, God, if that's the way you want me to be with you, then that's it. I'll do, God, whatever you want, because I just want to be near you. I want to be close to you. I don't want anything blocking or hindering me to you. So whatever it is, it's in my way. Whatever it is I need to keep doing, that's what I'll do. That was Abel. And isn't it interesting too, that the very first human being that ever went to heaven to be with Jesus wasn't Adam. And it wasn't even his murderer, Cain. The first human being that ever went to heaven was the innocent one, Abel, who all he did was what God asked him to do. And notice it cost him his life. Which sometimes, again, doing what God wants us to do doesn't mean everything's going to go okay. It means we can do unbelievable things because we're doing them with God, but it doesn't spare us from suffering and pain. In fact, the author makes this very clear. Look over in verse 33. Where he tells us of the amazing things people did through faith. He said, through faith, they conquered kingdoms. Why? Because they were doing it with God. They administered justice. They gained what was promised. They shut the mouths of lions. They quenched raging fire. They escaped the edge of the sword. They gained strength and weakness. They became mighty in battle. They put foreign armies to flight. And women received back their dead raised to life. Unbelievable things, great, big things will happen to us when we walk with a great, big God every day. But it also means 
that sometimes if we're going to stay close to God and do what God wants us to do, it's going to invite the hostility and animosity and adversity of our spiritual enemies, the fallen angels, and of even those in the world who hate what God stands for. And just like even people throughout history, they might acknowledge that God exists, but they want no relationship with Him. Well, people like that don't look very kindly on people like us who want not only to know God and find God, but we want to seek Him every day. So that's why he goes on in verse 35 to say, but others were tortured, not accepting release to obtain resurrection to a better life. Others experienced mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, sawed apart, murdered with the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins. They were destitute, afflicted, ill-treated. In fact, he says the world was not worthy of them. Literally meaning the world as we know it, this, this little planet here, it wasn't suitable for people like that. Because people who live on that plane, there's a bigger world. And that's exactly why God creates a new heaven and a new earth and a bigger world and a bigger universe for those who live by faith. Because this little planet, as big as we might think it is, isn't suitable for people who live with God because God is so much bigger and so much greater than reducing our lives to going after material things and things that are anything less than God himself. And so today, I hope that maybe for just a little bit of time, God has shown us from his word a little bit of a nuance to faith that we've never maybe quite appreciated as much before. And that is that faith is all about my relationship. It's all about seeking Him. It's all about making God the object for which I live. It's continuous. It's diligent. It's being willing to exert considerable effort every day of my life. Because as a person of faith, it's not enough for me to find God in my life. It's not enough to have God in my life. It's not even enough to acknowledge that He exists and to appreciate Him for who He is. Because the demons do that, my friends. People of faith are those who seek Him. And who have him as the reward for their life. God is our reward. It's all about him. There's no one greater, grander, more majestic than God. I'm going to ask our worship team to come. And we're going to end with a song that I enjoy so much every once in a while I sing it for you, sing it with you. So I'm going to ask you guys to help me out today and sing this song with me as a declaration that we will be a people of faith, a people who are not satisfied with just knowing God and finding God, but a people of faith who are declaring out loud, God, I want to link arms with you. 
I want to walk with you hand in hand. I want my life to be about you and pursuing you and knowing you more and more. That was Paul. Paul said to the Philippians, my goal in life is that I might know him. Well, didn't Paul already know him? Yeah, but Paul wasn't ever done seeking him. And that needs to be our goal in life as well. If we're going to be disciples of Jesus Christ, if we're going to be people of faith, we can't be satisfied with finding God in our life. We've got to be going after God and seeking him every day of our life. Let's make that song a declaration. Let's pray before we sing. Father, may you use this very simple message on faith to stir our hearts and to motivate us, God, towards you. So often, God, we can fall into the trap of wanting or desiring the blessing of God in our life, but not really wanting you. God, I pray today that more than anything else in our life, we want you. We want more of you. We want to seek you above anything and everything else in our life. That every choice, every decision that we make, God, will come back to, is this choice, is this decision bringing me closer to you, God? Drawing me nearer? Is it helping me to seek you more? Or is it preventing me from getting closer to you? Is it drawing me away from you, God? These are the the things that each of us should consider every day of our lives with the choices and decisions that we make. And so, God, I pray today that we might once again appreciate what we have in you, that you are our greatest treasure, you are our greatest prize. And, God, we will stand with you and we will seek you every day of our life. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.